chapter 1, verses 12 through 14, I'm calling this teaching prayer the working of the Holy Spirit. The verses that I'll be reading here take place right after the ascension of Jesus into heaven. And the apostles then return back to the upper room. So let me just read it. Acts chapter 1, 12 through 14. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet. That's where Jesus ascended into heaven. Which is near Jerusalem. A Sabbath day's journey. And when they had entered, they went up into the upper room where were staying Peter, James, John, and Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the zealot, and Judas the son of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, with his brothers. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, it is in your wonderful name that we are before you now, thanking you for being our God, for giving to us the gift of salvation by simple faith in Jesus Christ. Lord, I ask now that you would work through your word, by your spirit, on our hearts. Lord, we know that your word is powerful. It's alive. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, your word says. It's able to divide right down to the thoughts and the intents of our hearts, which you know altogether well. That being true, Lord, then really what we are left with is to ask you right now, Father, if you would help us to submit to your word. Help us, Father, that what we hear from your word, we would delight in the opportunity to obey. Lord, let your word come in like a light. Let it rearrange the things within our hearts that we might better know you and serve you and be close to you. For we pray these things in Jesus' marvelous name and all my dear brothers and sisters say, This is the uh, fourth teaching on prayer, and actually, I believe, unless the Lord alters my plans, that this will be the last teaching on prayer. So we have had some marvelous teaching last week by Daniel in the area of prayer, also from Aileen. And I just really jotted down a bunch of notes about prayer, because there's this is a simple teaching. It's not complex. It's not intricate. But what my hope is, what my desire is, is that we will, we will see clearly the great advantage and blessing that we have in God inviting us to speak with him, to bring to him issues that he can work on. And so... It really is simple. I, I want to give us the word. I want to talk to us about prayer, individual prayer, and also corporate prayer, and then see how the Holy Spirit then works through prayer in our lives and in the lives of others. So let me kind of reset the stage then 
of the verses that I read. The followers of Jesus, if, if you can imagine being a follower of Jesus, they've seen so much and it has been so rich. He's walked with them and talked with them since the point of his resurrection. They had seen his death upon the cross and I'm sure that they thought, well, that dream's over. What could be worse than what just happened? And he's laid in a tomb. But then for 40 days, he was seen by them. He walked with them. He blessed them. He taught them. He encouraged them. I, I can imagine that they are thrilled and excited. And then Jesus ascends up into heaven. And they watch that take place. The angel then tells him, what are you doing staring up into heaven? <laughs> He's going to come back in like manner as which he left. You know, It's kind of like, get busy with what he told you to do. But it's interesting that all we have of what he told them to do was to wait. They weren't to do anything. It was kind of a, I don't want you guys going anywhere. I don't want you doing anything. I want you to sit tight because here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to send you someone. And when I send you someone, the Holy Spirit, who is just like me, he's going to come upon you with power. So you wait. You stop. You just gather together and wait for that moment. So here they are waiting. That's what we're seeing them wait. Do I think they're excited? I really do. I think that they have a full range of emotions, but I think that they're more like this. Oh man, what's gonna happen? What's it gonna be like when we get this someone that's gonna come that's just like Jesus and he empowers us? Oh man, you know, we saw Jesus do all the miracles. We saw him raised from the dead. We saw him walking with us in a glorified body. What, my mind is blown at what could possibly happen. And it's that kind of situation in which we find them in the upper room as they're waiting for the promise that Jesus said he would send. Imagine them gathered together. Imagine them excited. They were waiting in a room for the Holy Spirit to do something. Guess what? Just like us. We're together. We're waiting in this room to see what the Holy Spirit will do in our lives, working through his word upon our hearts. So what exactly? Let's look at that verse 14 again. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. That uh, tells me that there was some intensity there. It wasn't any kind of a, well, aren't there different kinds of prayers? There are different kinds of prayers. I, I recognize that in my own life, that there are different kinds of prayers. Some prayers are just spoken. They just fall off our lips, and they really don't go anywhere. We just kind of do them, perhaps out of obligation. Or somebody wants prayer, and we're like, oh, yeah, bless them, Lord, in Jesus' name. You know, maybe we throw in a little verse to feel good about it. That's sometimes how we pray. It's sad that we would pray in that manner or to pray out of obligation or routine, or without even giving it much thought, not really connected with God. I'm so tired, 
I hope somebody else is praying because I don't know. It's just not something I want to do. That is not what we see with this group of people. With this group of people, they are devoted. They are continuing in prayer. They are supplicating before God from the heart. Earth calling God. Come in, please. I could just see them sitting around, facing each other, wondering what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen, but I know this. It's going to be good because what we have is a promise from Jesus. And when Jesus promises, he delivers. So I think they were very excited about what would happen next. It's uh, interesting. Uh, when I was in the eighth grade, uh, I had a paper out. Anybody here have a paper out? Okay, there we go. Wasn't it horrible? <laughs> had these big uh, bags on the back of my bike, you know, and I could hardly write, keep that thing steady, you know, with the, exactly, yeah, with the route that I had, you know. The only thing good about having a paper out is you had all those uh, rubber bands that you could take to school and then shoot somebody in the back of the head. I don't Anyway, uh, I... Uh, I got to the point where I was like, I don't think I like this very much because I'd have to get up really early before school. I'd have to fold the papers, put the rubber band around, pack them in, jump on my bike, ride around the neighborhood. And at first I was really, you know, kind of careful at it. But after a while, you just kind of like fling them, you know. <laughs> There's a dog that'll chew it up. What the heck, you know. <laughs> Here, have at it, you know. Uh, I think sometimes we do that with our prayers. There are those prayers that we just toss. There's no connection, no thought to it at all. Just, oh yeah, psh, there it goes. But that's not what was happening in this case. I find it interesting what was mentioned last Sunday by Daniel as he talked about James saying about Elijah. Anybody here familiar with Elijah? Here's what it said. I'm going to read it again. It says, oh, and this is out of uh, the Amplified Bible. The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. But he begins, James does, by saying, Elijah was just a man like the rest of us. And that, that's always been kind of comical to me. If you're at all familiar with Elijah, Elijah walked in tremendous power, yes? doing incredible miracles. But I think what James was telling us is the secret of Elijah. And the secret of Elijah was prayers made in faith. Elijah didn't just toss out prayers like newspapers that he didn't care where they landed, you know. There was one customer that I had that was very particular. And he wanted that uh, paper right there on his front porch. And he was kind of a stickler about that. So if I would, I would toss it, and, and if it hit right, I'd be like, yeah, I'd keep going. And if it didn't, I would stop, and I would go up, and I'd pick up the paper wherever it was, and I'd go stick it on his porch, and then I would, I would take off. I wonder if the Lord doesn't feel that way sometimes towards us with our prayers. I wonder if he sits there and goes, you just tossed that prayer up towards me like I wasn't even listening. 
when really the idea is, oh my goodness, I'm about to speak with the creator of the whole universe. Everything visible and everything invisible was made by him. Oh, and you know what else? He's entirely sovereign over everything, spiritual and physical. There's not a single atom in the whole universe that can move without his say-so. And he is about to listen to me. That would kind of change my thinking towards prayer, wouldn't it? That God is interested in where I'm at and what I'm thinking and what I'm feeling and what I'm going through. Here's somebody who could, in fact, to go quote further in James, which is being taught to our young adults. James says, uh, you have not because you ask not. And when you do ask, you ask amiss, making it all about yourself. So I'm thinking, what about this guy Elijah? And how could he raise the dead and do miracles like, like crazy? Because he had that concept that this isn't a throwaway. That this is about to be a connection between me and God. Maybe sometimes when we, uh, you know, when we pray, like uh, for a meal, it's like, thanks, Lord, plus the food, now let's eat. <laughs> you know, did I really have any thought in that? Did I really stop and think about what I'm asking God to do and how important it is? I mean, I think sometimes we speak to people with a greater sense of respect than sometimes we do with God. We'll order a, uh, you know, we'll order something from a fast food place and we'll, yeah, I want cheese on that. And, oh yeah, uh, put some jalapenos on there for me. I really like that. Oh, one other thing, could you do that in lettuce wrap? And, I, and I'm intent about what I'm asking. And I wanna make sure that the person sees my eyes and connects, you know. Or put extra pickles on it, you know? But when I talk to God, it's like, oh, God, bless me, be with me, yeah, amen, Jesus' name. You know? I, I, have just given, I have just given the one who has forgiven my sins kind of my second best. Not interested. There is a... I've heard previously somebody talking about Elijah. And they said... When Elijah prayed, Elijah prayed with prayer. <laughs> and the first time I heard that, I was like, well, that's a funny thing to say. We all pray with prayer. No, no, no. Elijah prayed with prayer. Understanding it and knowing what was about to happen and knowing that whatever I ask, he's going to answer. I did a uh, memorial service uh, a few days ago and somebody there asked me the asked me a couple of questions they go is it true he says to me that if you ask that god will answer <laughs> and i said yes absolutely that's a promise from jesus didn't we talk about that 
three weeks ago or four weeks ago? Ask, seek, knock, it will be opened. You're going to get an answer. Do I pray with that kind of expecting, expectancy? Did Elijah, when God prompted him by his spirit to pray that it wouldn't rain? Was he like, and what was he like? What, was, what intensity was there? What desire was there? What knowing that he had connected with God and that God's ways are good? And then when he prayed for it to rain, it rained. <laughs> I know you all remember Pastor Mike saying, when you pray for rain, carry in an umbrella. Because that would show God that you're serious about the prayer. What is it that you have come in here with that you need prayer for? that you have asked God for. That you are in the process, just like these were, they waited. They waited and they were intense about prayer. That's what's going on with them. Let me give you somebody else who intensely prayed. And that's David. How many of you know David could really put on a prayer? <laughs> oh my goodness. You know, he has all, at least 75 of the Psalms belong to him, probably more than that half of the 150 psalms belong to him but listen to david and tell me if you don't think that he was he said the lord is my rock my fortress my savior my god my rock in whom i take refuge my shield and the horn of my salvation my stronghold i call upon the lord who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. That's praying with prayer, intentional, understanding who it is we're talking to. And listen to me, that's the great mystery of prayer. The great mystery of prayer is, is that God has sovereignly decided to work through our prayers. How does that work? I don't know. But I just know that it does. Time and time again, through the whole of the Bible, we see God responding to prayers and working on behalf of his people. What did the nation of Israel do every time they came into trouble? Anytime something went wacky, anytime an enemy was too great for them, what somebody would step up and say, it's time for prayer and fasting. And God would work through that. There's something about the Lord wanting to get in tandem with us and answer and move based on our prayers. Are we praying with prayer? The disciples are waiting then, and they're praying. Let's take a look at what happens. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came the sound from heaven of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. One sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Let's stop there. 
I look at this and I think to myself, promise given by Jesus, promise answered. And where did he answer that prayer? Where did he answer that promise? But in a prayer meeting. The answer came in the midst of people praying continually, supplicating before God with one heart and one mind. And as they are praying, what happens is their prayers explode. That's what I have to say as I look at this. Their prayers just explode into other language. And as they went out, everybody who heard them praising God, saying prayers, talking about the wonders of God, everybody heard in their own language. They're filled with the Holy Spirit as an answer of a promise. And as they are praying, and that's what takes place. This thing that's, that makes it so... In the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis, do you recall the, uh, the Tower of Babel? Anybody remember the Tower of Babel? Tell me you somebody tell me you remember the Tower of Babel. <laughs> okay. The Tower of Babel was when everybody on earth had the same language. And everybody came together. They did not spread out as God told them to do. But instead, they wanted to build something out of their own sinful natures in their own plan and in their own will and in their own way. And as they built that Tower of Babel, all of a sudden, their languages were confused. And they could no longer communicate with each other. And that's how they scattered abroad to different areas. You notice what happens here. It's like a reverse of the curse. Here's a group of people that are gathered together, not for personal reasons, but for the will of God. And as they're praying and as they're waiting, the Holy Spirit gives them this power to speak and others, everybody from all different nations are there. And they all hear in their same language. That curse is reversed. And where is it reversed? In a prayer meeting. In a prayer meeting, the church is birthed in a prayer meeting. Something happens so outrageous, you could say, in the middle of a prayer meeting. But that was just the start. As a matter of fact, as we look at the book of Acts and as the church grows and matures, there are prayers sprinkled all the way through the book of Acts. They didn't just start in prayer. Prayer was how they connected with God to be guided. Prayer was how they listened to God, how they matured in their life, how they were sustained was by their praying. You know, I suppose you could say, man, they, the power of the Holy Spirit came on them and then they just did all kinds of things. Well, it's true. The apostles did all kinds of things, but they didn't do anything without prayer. They prayed and they prayed all the way through. In, uh, let me see, 
In Acts chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Now Peter and John went up together to the temple, when? At the hour of prayer. And that's when the fellow got healed, remember? Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. But they were there at the hour of prayer. I think that the Holy Spirit continues to hint all the way through the book of Acts that things happen when the church prays, when individuals pray. And that is power that comes in answers to prayer. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, I know that that's one of Pastor Aileen's favorite verses, but in there we are told that we find the apostles are devoted to prayer. How about this? When the church lifts up Stephen and Philip and I think it's five others, and they're going to be used in the church family, it says and they were going to be used to distribute bread to the widows. It says they laid hands on them and they prayed for them. Now you would think, come on, uh, they're just going to pass out bread. What's the big deal? That's not even like exciting. That's like, you know, uh, that's like, could you make coffee? <laughs> right? But they laid hands on them and they prayed for them because they understood the power of prayer. And of course, Stephen then, we know, goes on to be the very first martyr. But what does Stephen do? Stephen is persecuted. Stephen is being stoned. And in the middle of that horrible scene, he lifts his eyes up towards heaven and he prays. They're not just passing out prayers like throwing out newspapers. They actually believed. And by faith, I'm going to talk to God. God is good. He does good things. I wonder what he's going to do. I wonder what he's going to do as I pray for my kids, as I pray for my church, as I pray for those that I love. What's he going to do? This is exciting. Something good. Always. Later on in the book of Acts, we find people praying for each other to receive the baptism, the empowering of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 9, we find Ananias praying for Saul of Tarsus, later to become the apostle Paul. And he's praying for him that he might receive his sight and then take hold of God's call on his life. And then later on in Acts chapter 9, we find Peter, and he raises Tabitha up from the dead, praying for her. Then Peter is on a rooftop, and what is he doing? He's praying, and as he's praying, he gets a vision from God regarding, really, bottom line, Gentiles are going to come into the church just like the Jews. In Acts chapter 12, Peter is being prayed for because he's in prison. And so they gather together and they pray for him all night long. And an angel comes and lets him out. All through the book of the Acts of the Apostles, we see prayer after prayer after prayer. The church never seems to stop 
pray. Never. They didn't begin to say, well, now that we have the power of the Holy Spirit, let's establish a program. They didn't worry about programs. They worried about prayer and being led by the Spirit of God. They didn't worry about numbers. They didn't worry about programs. <laughs> they didn't worry about radio stations or YouTube or anything. Their entire reliance was upon the Holy Spirit and prayer. They never seem to stop. Somebody has said, and I like this saying, prayer is the furnace through which God exercises his power. You like that? Prayer is the furnace through which God exercises his power. Now, the apostles did a lot of things, but they never did anything without prayer. So you say, well, why is that? Where did they pick up on that, the importance of prayer? I think that they watched the prayerful life of Jesus. I think they noticed that Jesus didn't do anything unless he prayed and connected with the Father. Jesus had a powerful prayer life. As a matter of fact, Jesus has a powerful prayer life right now, today. There's a man sitting next to the throne of God in heaven, and he is interceding for us. Do we put our faith there? Are we excited about that? Are we realizing that we're told in the book of Acts that there's like this bowl of incense held by Jesus, our great high priest, and our prayers go up to the throne of the Father from this bowl. Do you think when you pray, I'm going to add some incense and God is going to smell the aroma of my prayers or is it just another prayer tossed out? The apostles did a lot of things, but they never did anything without prayer because they saw the power of prayer in the life of Jesus. When Jesus picked his disciples, what did he do? He prayed before he picked his disciples that he would pick the exactly right ones. Daily, they saw him in prayer. When he was going to the cross, he prayed. When he went to the Garden of Gethsemane, he took all of his disciples with him. He said, you guys stay here and pray and keep praying so that you don't enter into temptation. And then he took three of them a little bit further on and he says, pray so you don't enter into temptation. And then he went a little further and what did he do? He prayed. <laughs> he prayed with a fervency. He prayed so hard and so intently that he sweat blood. He comes back to his disciples and what does he find? They're sleeping. He wakes them up and he says, pray. <laughs> and he goes back and he prays some more. Then he comes back and what are they doing? They're sleeping. They've not realized. They have not, they have not come into that place where where they see the absolute power, necessity, <clears throat> need for prayer. Anybody here today need prayer? Anybody? I need prayer. Does everybody here need prayer? 
I need prayer. We all need prayer. I love it when we, when we afterwards and we get coffee and everybody's laughing and talking and some are deciding where they're going to go eat and, you know, we're yelling back and forth at each other and making fun. Right? I love that. But yet, don't we all know that we're all broken inside? It doesn't take too long to live on planet Earth where you find that we're all broken inside. That we all need prayer. Do we pray for each other? Do we pray with expectation? Do we pray with prayer for those who need prayer? They saw Jesus daily prayed. They saw his intensity in prayer. Later on, the Apostle Paul would write this, 1 Thessalonians 5.17, Pray without ceasing. It is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Some people wonder, what's God's will for my life? What's God's will for my life? That I would pray, how? Without ceasing. How do you do that? Let's find out. Let's ask for the power of the Holy Spirit to help us to learn how to pray without ceasing. How to pray like Elijah, who said he was just a man like us. When I was in high school and I played football, football coach would always say about the other team if they had a good record, He'd say, listen here, they put their shoes on one foot at a time, just like you. <laughs> you know, they're, they're guys just like you. That's, that's what we all are. Elijah was a fallen man as well. But he prayed with prayer. He prayed with purpose, with, in with intentionality, understanding the importance and how vital that it is. I think it was Aileen's teaching when he talked to us about the Lord teaching us to pray. Uh, that prayer is called the Our Father. I think that that's, I think it's been wrongly titled. It's not the Lord's Prayer. Whose prayer is it? Yeah, it's the, it's the apostles or the disciples' prayer is really what it is for us. But I want you to think of all the things that they saw Jesus do. Can you imagine being with Jesus when he raised somebody from the dead? Lazarus, come forth. Can you imagine being with Jesus when somebody is lame and been laying on a cot all their life? Jesus says, stand up. <laughs> the guy stands up and he goes, carry your bed. <laughs> Can you imagine seeing that? Somebody blind and they receive their sight? Somebody who can't hear instantly they can hear lepers lepers son of david have mercy on us jesus heals them imagine being with jesus and seeing all of that what would you ask jesus to teach you to do hey jesus i'd kind of like teach me how to raise somebody from the dead that would be like way cool, wouldn't it? <coughs> Lord Jesus, teach me how to restore blind eyes. Teach, you know that water into wine thing? Teach me how to do that. 
That would be so cool. I could, I could open up Pastor Paul's uh, wedding winery. <laughs> That's right. But, but after watching Jesus, the only thing we have recorded that they ask him is teach us to pray. They must have seen something happen. They must have seen something that preceded the miracles. Now, we don't have any record of them asking to heal or bring somebody back from the dead. Or, but the apostles did it. Peter did. Paul did. All kinds of miracles. They weren't taught to do that, but they were taught how to pray. And they prayed with intensity and intentionality. And they knew God was going to do something good. What if we grabbed a hold of that and thought for a moment that every time we pray, God's going to do something good. It's going to be exciting. I don't know what he's going to do, but he's going to do something. We have his promise that he will do that. Prayer precedes progress. That's my new saying. Prayer precedes progress. You want to progress in your life? I think in all areas, spiritual, physical, mental, prayer precedes progress. At one point, Jesus said to his disciples in Luke 18.1, One day, Jesus told his disciples a story to show them that they should always pray and never give up. Imagine that. Jesus says, all right, guys, sit down. I'm going to tell you this story. And what I'm going to do in this story is I'm going to show you to always pray and to never give up. The Holy Spirit is here to teach us to pray. And Jesus told us that. <laughs> we get power to pray. Prayer power comes from the Holy Spirit. I think we maybe should be asking the Holy Spirit for that power to pray. I think we maybe should be asking the Holy Spirit, teach me to pray. Holy Spirit. Now what does it mean to pray in the Spirit? Let me see if I can kind of capsulize this for us without going. I think it would probably take a whole teaching for me to explain how to pray in the Spirit. But briefly, it means to be moved by the Holy Spirit, to be guided by the Holy Spirit, to wait on the Holy Spirit. It means to pray by means of the Holy Spirit, to pray with the help of the Holy Spirit, in the sphere of the Holy Spirit, talking about his will, and in connection with the Holy Spirit. In my idea, it is praying in the will of God. Connecting with the Holy Spirit to the extent that when I pray, I am praying God's will. I see it as a letting go of my agenda and grabbing onto God's agenda. Jesus said, 
and I think that this was in Aileen's teaching as well, that God knows what we have need of even before we pray. From that point, he goes on to say, so, because God already knows what you need before you pray, I don't want you worrying about your clothes, I don't want you worrying about what you'll eat, because God already knows before you pray, so, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things that you're worried about. He'll just add them to you. He already knows. See, I think sometimes I'm, I, I'm one that might major in the minors <laughs> and minor in the major thing. Lord, I'm praying and what I really want is you. What I really want is a connection with you. What I really want is time with you, Lord God. But usually it's the laundry list. Now, Lord, this is what I need, you know. I want money so I can afford steaks these days. <laughs> you know, I, I, I want my 401k to go up. I want uh, whatever it is, you know. Uh, you see lately how everybody's coming up with these gadgets to increase your gas mileage. Don't get suckered into any of that stuff. It's not, it's not real. That's just a side note. No cost for that. I, I think that what God is saying, so I was, I'm trying to work on that mystery of prayer. It's this crazy kind of a circular thing, you know. God says pray, so we pray. And then God moves. And because he moves, we pray. So he asks us to pray so he can move. You know, <laughs> it's not like he, he wasn't going to do those things anyway, I think. Because he's going to have his will on earth as it is in heaven. So I, I was trying to think about that. And... I had this funny idea. I thought, it's kind of like the Holy Spirit saying, uh, here, jump in the car with me. I want you to ride shotgun. I'm going to do the driving, and I know where I'm going to go, and I know what I'm going to do, but I want you to ride along with me. Or it's like a dad who says to the kid, oh, dad, can I help you rebuild that engine? You know, to the little kid. And the little kid says, please, please let me help. And the dad goes, sure, I want you to help me rebuild this engine. Here, hang on to this wrench until I ask for it. <laughs> right? Who's doing the work? <laughs> but the dad wants the kid in there, wants the kid involved. You know? So we're like, you know, Daddy, can I get involved in your will? Oh, yes, son. Yes, daughter. Here. I want you to stay right here, wait on me, now go ahead and pray, and, and we'll do this together. <laughs> it's just God delighting in that and wanting to work with us in that manner. Now, I don't always pray like I should. How about you? And I think, I don't know what your reasons are, but, but maybe I can tell you a little bit about my reasons for sometimes. Sometimes I just don't feel like praying. Anybody else, you're just like, oh my gosh, you know, oh, I got to pray. Oh, things are rough. I feel it pressured. I got to pray. Ah, okay, all right, all right, all right, let's pray. You want to know another reason why I sometimes don't pray? Because I get lazy. Or I fall asleep. Or, or like the disciples, I value my sleep more than I value my prayer, my prayer time with the Lord. 
I want to tell you, whatever your reason for not praying or for holding back on prayer, the Holy Spirit is not susceptible to your weaknesses or mine. And as I think about Jesus saying, he's going to come and give you power. You know what he's going to give you power over? See, some people are like, oh, you know, oh, the power of the Holy Spirit, and da da da, and here I go, you know. Uh, maybe. <laughs> but I think of the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome your laziness. The power of the Holy Spirit to, uh, yeah, okay. Let me, I want to give you two thoughts here. I've been working on this for a little while. Here's my two thoughts. Thought number one. We live in a fallen, evil world. Has anybody noticed that lately? <laughs> Do I have to convince anybody of that? You know? <laughs> I mean, look at our government. It's like, <laughs> okay. You know, I've, I've told you before, governments come and governments go. I'm waiting for, I want a monarchy where Jesus sits on the throne. Amen? That's the government that I want desperately, you know. But uh, so we live in an evil fallen world and there's evil people in this world that do evil things. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, but here's the other thing. What makes me continue on? What makes me can keep going in the midst of an evil world? Here it is. The thought that no matter what comes against me, I can overcome it. What troubles have you faced in your life? On your job, with your car, with your family, with your kids, with your grandkids, with, with whoever. There's trouble everywhere. But I have a sense that I can overcome those. And the Bible even calls us overcomers. Why? Because I'm so great and I'm so smart? No. Because the power of the Holy Spirit has been promised to me. And the Holy Spirit is not susceptible to my weaknesses, to my faults and my failings. And he gives me a meaning and a power that supersedes the fallen evil world. And that's what it means to walk in victory. And I don't pray when I don't see, you know, when I don't see the, the value, the meaning of it, you know. Well, it's a fallen world anyway. And I can pray and people still do crummy things. And, you know, hey, right? Or maybe we felt beaten down because we've prayed and prayed and prayed and haven't gotten an answer. I wonder, you know, my mom's not here today, but I wonder how many lonely nights she was praying for her her son who wanted to be a businessman tycoon. <laughs> That's funny. You know? Anybody here got a praying mom? Anybody here a praying mom? For your kids? Yeah. And maybe your prayers didn't get answered the way you thought, nor the time that you thought. But we've already learned never give up. Never stop. Keep praying. God is working. God has answers for your call. Don't stop. Don't give up. It's that disappointment that can creep in that can cause us to stop praying but never give up. Prayer in the Spirit 
as well includes the praise of Jesus. All right. You know, I think of the things of which the Bible speaks of the enemy and in regards to us that he hates us, you know. He hates you. Absolutely hates you. But one thing that he really abhors that you do, he hates it when you pray. And he'll do anything to dissuade you from praying. Have you noticed? You set aside time to pray and what happens? The phone rings. <laughs> the house catches on fire. <laughs> Something goes wrong and you're just like, the car alarm across the street goes off. Somebody decides to shoot fireworks. At the moment you decide to pray, you know why? I think, I think, I think Satan hates praying moms, but I think Satan trembles when he sees the weakest of us on our knees. He goes, oh no. Do you remember uh, in the Old Testament there was a, a war that, I guess you could call it a war that never took place. And uh, Israel was about to get wiped out as they were on many occasions. And they prayed and they fasted and, and the Lord gave them instructions. Send out the worshipers. Not the army. Send out the worshipers. And the worshipers went out, praising God, giving glory to God. Totally confused the enemy. They started shooting at each other. It was a war that never took place. God just won it. That's the other thing that we need to do. Prayer and praise of God. To pray in the Spirit is to be able to jump over, is to have the power to jump over the obstacles of life and onto victorious living. Praying in the Spirit is to pray over what the Holy Spirit is excited about. What's the Holy Spirit excited about? The Holy Spirit's excited about Jesus. Yes. The Holy Spirit is excited about holiness. The Holy Spirit's excited about our obedience. Well, I'm, I'm coming up with a prayer list here, aren't I? Things that I really need to pray. Things that really have gravity in my life. The Holy Spirit is excited about, is excited about getting the gospel out to people who don't know Jesus. I want the same passions in my life that the Holy Spirit has then I need to ask the Holy Spirit for that. Holy Spirit, I know you've come to empower me in my prayers. I want to have the same passions as you do. Holy Spirit, give me the same passions. I want to walk in the things, excited about the things that you are excited about. I hope that I have given to you today this afternoon some anticipation about your prayer life some expectation about the things that you pray and who you're praying to 
because what's needed for the individual and for the group is for us to call on the Holy Spirit, to wait on the Holy Spirit, and to do nothing unless we pray. To wait, to pray, and then to move out led by the Holy Spirit. Amen? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this afternoon and thank you for the time where we've been able to just consider your prayers. And so right now, right now, Lord God, maker of heaven and earth, we are praying. Holy Spirit, empower us even now to be victorious over an even, evil, perverse, fallen world. Help us, Holy Spirit, to pray when the enemy attacks. Prayer is part of the armor. Sews the whole thing together. Help us to be, into, to be obedient to Jesus, saying that we ought always to pray and never lose heart. Help us, Holy Spirit, to comply with the will of God in our lives, which is to pray without ceasing. I pray now for my brothers and sisters sitting here, for those watching online and who will watch later. May God empower you in obedience to his will and his way. May you understand the gravity of opening your mouth and speaking to the Lord of glory. Lord, help us to cherish the treasure of prayer. For we pray these things in Jesus' wonderful name and all my dear brothers and sisters say, Amen. Let's all stand up.